This is Jennifer Lyons, also known as Bud Bundy's girlfriend, Ariel, and you're listening to the Married with Children podcast. All right, I confess. I am in love with Bud Bundy. Whenever he comes in the library, I turn the heat up so he'll have to strip down to his tank top. When he returns a book late, I always hope he'll say, I've been a bad boy, Miss Hardaway. <laughs> Spank me hard. The court will excuse me if I heave. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No man presents live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back, Married with Children fans. I'm Steven, and we're going to list the places where we last did the Bundy. My shower. Tyler? The My mobile gas station job bathroom. <laughs> and I'm Carl. At work behind the customer service desk. <gasps> <laughs> yes, we are back. And good news is we have forgotten friends and we will never mention it again. You can only go up from there. And we have a great episode analyzed today. It is not safe for work and not safe for families. It's called Bud Hits the Books. Originally aired on April 28, 1996. Written by Stacy Lipp, directed by Stan Oriander. Guest starring Harold Sylvester as Griff, Tom McClyster as Ike, Beverly Archer as Miss Hardaway, Jennifer Lyons as Ariel, Will Lute as Dean Marquand, and Teresa Parente as Miranda Veracruz La Jolla Cardinal. I hope I said Miranda Veracruz de La Jolla Cardinal. Yeah, I can never get that right. I think I got it right just maybe one time in all the times I'm doing this. A break. Steven, when you said this episode aired on April 28th, 1996? That's right. On Sunday, the Lord's Day. On <laughs> the Lord's Day, that's right. <laughs> this one is called Bud Hits the Books. Bud Hits the Books is a... Of course, Stephen, uh, the title comes from the phrase... Hit in the books, which means studying the complete opposite of what Bud is doing to, in this episode. Yes, because he's at that age. And we are finally going to get to see Bud graduate from Tremaine University in this episode. Plus some other things. Oh, boy. <laughs> this was a real treat. What did you guys think uh, for, on your first impressions? Well, I, I, it was a pretty interesting episode. Like, I know a few other shows have uh, gone into this subject. Like, I know Seinfeld has gone into this subject without even talking about masturbating. They had to use some kind of slain because they're on another network, of course. Um, when Married Children tried to go at it, they really went to the far extreme. And it was really, uh, it was really hilarious every time that they try to handle the subject. And audience, just to let you know... <laughs> Since we will be touching on this uh, more adult subject, I guess you could say. Well, actually, teenage subject, I guess. We're not um, touching on teenage subjects, Stephen. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, that'll get you fired quickly. But what I'm getting at is uh, 
what, what's interesting about this episode uh, or this uh, podcast will drop in early May. May, believe it or not, is National Masturbation Month. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> Million to one shot. I was yes. strolling through the park one day. <laughs> Strangely, Star Wars Day is May 4th, so I think there might be a connection there. Oh, may the force be with you, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, what a coincidence. We're about to, we're about to air on... The, uh, the, we're about to air on May the Force Be With You Day. Anyway, I just thought it was odd timing about when this episode was going to drop. Yeah, well, well, for my <laughs> well listeners, Tyler here. Um, I am, I'm in love with this episode. Really, I am. I love masturbation humor. It's the it's a if you were looking at the Venn diagram of sexless jokes and really really sex jokes, it, masturbation jokes falls right in the middle because it's something that we all do, even those who are virgins or those who are well inept into the subject, well adept into the subject of sex and all its different facets. Masturbation is something that everyone comes into contact with naturally or through other means and it's still something that is very puritanical within america and i love when it's touched upon yes touched upon <laughs> in me in forms of media because everyone loses their crap i felt like a little schoolboy watching this going oh this is risque and had to keep reminding myself no this is not I mean, I did that last night. I mean, it's not risque. Like, it's just, I just love this. And literally, they found every fun way to make this uh, just enjoyable. And it's all with Bud trying to study, legitimately trying to get good, good grades. And to me, it's something guys can identify with. And, you know, I'm like you, Tyler. I think most guys are like that. We like these types of jokes just because we get a kick out of it. We revert to junior, our junior high-ish ways. And, and you mentioned about puritanicalism. And in all honesty, in evangelical circles, that has lost its stigma over the last 20 years or Ooh, so. Thank God. Yeah, really. It's seen as being normal now. It's a normal time of growing up. I think I mentioned this on the last episode we were doing, uh, Spring Break 2, where I had a father who was a doctor, and he his idea of talking to us about sex is just look at my playboys or hustlers or whatever and put them back when you're done. Yeah, he always wondered why they came back. He knew why they came back sticky and the pages stuck together. But I was an early bloomer. I kind of wish you had talked to me about what was going to happen. I was grateful for my uncle who uh, talked to me about it after a very embarrassing incident instant but uh but i gotta ask though steven i forget okay carl you how old are you again i forget i'm 35 okay sweet i'm 32 can we both say right now for poor St poor steven that you didn't have the internet like me and carl did i didn't need no adult having to explain that to me like <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's true yeah Back in the 80s, it was still very puritanical and kind of looked down upon. So that was the problem then. A lot of guys never talked about it back then. When we got older, we did. But uh, there was a, still that taboo about it. And you feel guilty. You feel like you're doing something wrong or that 
something was wrong with you. And like I said, my dad never talked to me about it. And I had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own. Although, like I said, my uncle helped me out a lot on that. I mean, in this episode, they literally have to go through a trial to explain why what Bud did is not technically a crime. (laughs) And Marcy makes a pretty good point to what I think a lot of evangelicals and Protestants would uh, should agree with her. You guys want your kids to be abstinent? Well, this is a big help in that category. <laughs> Absolutely. For a few months, anyway. Point out this episode is the debut of the special edition we had last week. Uh, when I, when Luigi and I interviewed um, Jennifer Lyons, who plays Ariel, this is her debut in Married with Children. And she is also going to be in at least, I think, two or three others. I know she's going to be in the next one, Tyler. You and I were, are recording, and that's Twisted. Mm-hmm. And she's in a couple of others. But, uh, you know, I was – did you – have you listened to that interview? Tyler? Not all of it. Uh, I did I did start it, and then the internet cut out, and I had to rush. Um, I think I saw um, Jennifer Lyons in uh, earlier on in Season 10 um, – the Hood and Bud and the Kelly Part 1, where Bud is trying to make out with this girl before she punches him in the eye after Kelly storms in and says, how can you um, send me out for a Depends commercial? That looked like Ariel right there. And she does have a very prolific IMDB list. She's been in Saved by the Bell, Beverly Hills 90210, Married with Children Twisted, Bud Hits the Books. Well, yeah, The Hood and the Bud and the Kelly. Yeah, that was... Yeah, she was in part one. I thought she was in another one, though, at least. She's a good... This show is... It crosses into my animation part of my brain so much where I'm just like, she's great for a crowd to like drop the way we think of like, oh, we've got a character we can drop and click into a crowd. Like, if you got a group of girls, she's a good one to bring back. Yeah. Uh, she was in Nightstand. She was in um, Veronica's Closet. Hmm, that's strange. I, the way I said that, she was in Veronica's Closet. That 70s show, she was in Monk. And Valley Peaks, that was a, uh, looks like a TV series. Uh, looks like she did 11 episodes. She did about uh, three episodes in General Hospital. She's done a lot of movies. Hitting the Breaks, another TV series in 2016. She was in 10 episodes. I think that only lasted 10 episodes. And she has a couple of things coming up. One's called, I find this interesting, Hot Girl Problems. <laughs> That's in develop or pre-production, so it's in development still. So. She's in a really, really funny episode of Workaholics, the 2011 television show. Uh, the episode's called To Find a Predator. It's really funny. <laughs> and it looks like also, and I remember in the interview, she does like the musical theater. Lisa Picot, she um, talked about doing theater too, but she did more like dramatic and comedic stuff as opposed to musical. Man. So I'm looking at. I'm looking at her IMBD photo right now. Oh wait, no, this is uh, this is the Mary with Children fandom thing, and she's she aged incredibly well. Like she's mm. just like it literally looks like 
like she lo- only looks like maybe like 10 or 15 years older than what I just saw 20 minutes ago uh, on that episode. Like she looks really good. This is her debut in uh, married or pardon me. I guess her first prominent role in married with children because it is a recurring role as Buzz's girlfriend for at least two episodes, but I thought it was three or four. So moving right along to get to the episode, <laughs> it's funny that we begin with her and Bud downstairs playing strip. What was it? Strip uh, study. Strip study. Yep, that's it. Yeah. A, yeah, a game where everyone wins. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me over to play strip study, bud. Well, just like it says on the box, it's a game with no losers. Okay, Ariel. Ulysses S. Grant was a general in which war? Um, the war on drugs? Close. Now, the correct answer is the Civil War. They named a war after Civil Shepherd? <laughs> oh, man. I got a question. Did you guys ever play? Uh, I mean, it's obviously a play on strip poker. Have any of you guys ever played it? Or a variation Not of it? Not poker, but I, I've played Strip Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have I haven't played anything related to strip. Oh, you're missing out, Carl. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I do as long as you're young and virile. I do know there's a game show that aired about 20 years ago with Graham Elwood and Jennifer Cole uh, called Strip Poker and um, all these contestants every time they got a contest question wrong, the opposite team had to take off a piece of clothing. That was pretty hmm. interesting right there. I would think so. I'll tell you, I played strip poker once, and then in high school, in the 80s, the uh, big thing then was uh, Trivial Pursuits. became very popular. And twice, with a bunch of high school friends, we played strip Trivial Pursuits. I was literally thinking, wait, strip pres- Trivial Pursuit? <laughs> yeah. That would be, that game, I, re- I need to think with that game, and that would be really hard for me to think while I'm... I'd be naked pretty fast. I'm not good at Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, it was a tough one. <laughs> Let's just say it was very hard. Um, Stephen, if you don't mind, I will get to the first uh, Im- celebrity mention in here because it literally popped up when I, when when she says Civil no Shepherd. Problem. I was just like, oh, I wonder who's going to get to read that description. <laughs> Well, Bud is trying his new ta- his his new game strip study with uh, with Ariel, and her question is Ulysses. You, <clears throat> man, I screw that name up every time. Ulysses S. Grant was a general in which war? And Ariel goes the war on drugs, and Bud goes no close. It was the Civil War. She's like they named a war after Civil Shepherd. Oh, oh man. Well. <laughs> That's obviously a play on the name Sybil Shepherd, an American actress born on February 18th in 1950. Shepherd's best known roles include JC in The Last Picture Show, Kelly in The Heartbreak Kid, 
Betsy in Taxi Driver, Maddie Hayes on Moonlighting, uh, Sybil Sheridan on Sybil <laughs> from 1995 to 1998, Phyllis Kroll on The L Word, and Madeline Spencer on Psych. Casey in the television film The Client List, and Lynette Montgomery on The Client List, and a new version of The Client List from a television show based on the movie Client List, which everything I just read, I have not seen a single frame of, but I know all of it. <laughs> I remember her for, only from Moonlighting. That was the only thing I knew her from. I've never seen Civil Shepherd, but I, all I know is that she was in Moonlighting, and when she got pregnant um, it, in, in later part of the series, it allowed Bruce Willis, the green light, to go shoot Die Hard. Oh, that's right. Bruce Willis was in Moonlighting. And those two didn't get along together at all. That's all I know about her. Yeah. Oh, wait, I have seen Taxi Driver. Who? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that one, but I don't remember I'm her. I'm assuming she was a prostitute, because 90% of the women in that movie were. And I don't remember her on sight. Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. I was thinking of I was thinking of Monk, not Sight, because it was on the same network. Uh, I saw a few things of sight on occasion. I just don't remember her. <laughs> you know. And then what was amazing? I remember he asked another question to Ariel. Who was the first president of the United States? She says George Washington. Now you know the rules. For each wrong answer, you must remove one piece of clothing. known the rules, I would have worn underwear. <laughs> okay, who was the first president of the United States? George Washington? Wrong. <laughs> Gosh, bud, I'm not that smart. I can't figure out why you'd want to study with me. <laughs> Well, you make every subject come to life. Bud, finals are a week away, and every time we try to study, we end up having sex. Trust me, Ariel. In two minutes, we'll be right back to study. <laughs> but, yeah, this is, uh, but yeah, Bud does get lucky in this episode, and this is the fifth confirmed sexual encounter that our man Bud has had with a woman without an inner tube. Uh, (laughs) The other other, uh, times this happened was obviously the wedding show uh, episode uh, from season seven with his cousin Jimmy's fiance, uh, my favorite personally. Sorry, Ariel. Um, Valentine's Day Massacre from season eight with a with a huge woman who kidnaps him. Uh, it's not lucky, but it's 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 something. Naughty but niece it's from season nine with with Amber. That's the best one of them all. <laughs> uh, and earlier uh, in the se- earlier in the season, Love Conquers Al with Esmeralda. And next uh, season, season eleven. He will be having sex with Gary, Al's boss. Yes. Oh. Hey, you know what? I don't read. I don't read the future. I don't. I can't tell the future, Stephen. Who knows? 
No, you got it wrong. You know what? <laughs> I don't. I say that counts for Bud because if she knew it, she she was convinced otherwise. So she needs to study that even harder. <laughs> yes. But and God and, and then she has that little line in there. She says, "If I knew we we're going to be playing this, I would have worn underwear." <laughs> Uh, but but guys the best scene i think in the entire episode what uh on real life laugh out loud by myself in my own apartment was when because i forgot how this went oh i have girls here all the time they won't bet no one's gonna bat an eye with you coming up What is it? George Washington was the first president of the United States. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you know what time it is? Uh, Six o'clock. Oh, it's eight o'clock. Damn. (laughs) We're not playing that game anymore, Ariel. It's morning. What am I going to do? If I don't pass these exams, I won't graduate. Come on, we gotta get out of here. Well, won't it be awkward when your family sees me coming out of your room? I have girls over here all the time. They won't even bat an eye. Come on, let's go. Congratulations, son. Your first sleepover date. With a girl, <laughs> and the, everybody is standing there uh, with a banner that says Bud's first sleepover date. Uh, just with noisemakers, the whole family is celebrating. Shoot me dead if that was me. Even Lucky was wearing a party hat. Oh, good call. I didn't see that. I just noticed that. <laughs> Oh, one other thing, guys. Did you guys know that down in the basement, in the background, as Bud was getting dressed, there's a box called Crazy Augments. It's a satellite dish that Al installed earlier on in the season. Carl, thank you for that. We're, you know what? That should we should probably try to get like a clip of the basement now for the uh, for the for the post on the Facebook thing because Carl, since you said that, I've been thinking this might be where the Simpsons got the idea to keep the Simpsons basement filled with things from past episodes like that weird Mr. Hedda Colossal Kettle uh, that's still in the basement even to today like just an idea of lived inness. I never I I didn't really catch that but you know what I'm now I want to go back and see how many other things from past episodes might be down there right right Unless it's one of those crying game kind of things. How did you guys know Ariel was here? Well, for once, the cries of, Oh, bud! Oh, bud! Wasn't just you throwing your voice. (laughs) And then about 1 a.m., you subtly yelled out the window, I just got busy. (laughs) Now, being down with the lingo you youngsters use today, I knew that you had just done the function at the junction. You spent the night with my brother, Bud. Could you, uh, 
Could you bend your head forward, please? Nope, no air nozzle. <laughs> her alone. The girl just had the best sex of her life. I didn't say it was the best. I said you did your best. You know, also when uh, Bud comes up out of the basement and they're all throwing him the party, I love the way, what Ike said, and this is one of those crying game Ugh. kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> and in case some of you are wondering what that is, the Crying Game is a 1992 movie written by Neil Jordan and starring Stephen Ray Forrest, and Forrest Whitaker. It explores themes of race and gender and nationality and sexuality against the backdrop of the troubles in Northern Iowa. Stephen Ray played the main character. However, he was uh, it was revealed in the end that uh, he was really a she. Dun, dun, dun. And Gene Siskel ruined that on a spoiler on uh, at the movies. I remember when that happened. It's so just like I I know I know they were trying to do something a um, little edgy or maybe bring people the idea of, of of transgender and stuff like that. But man, the way they it's it's like. I made the sound, the dunk dunk dong moment where when I first saw it, even though I hadn't had it spoiled for me, I knew within like the first five minutes, I was like, oh, she's trans. Like within three seconds, I could see it. And then it just shocked me that I realized when they had the ending, I was like, oh, this was supposed to be a big, huge reveal. Silly 1992. In all honesty, I never saw it. I don't think it was necessarily transgenderism, probably transvestitism. No, it's trans. It was transgender. That's why it was a big deal. Uh, They at at that time, most people used the term transvestite um, synonymous with transgender uh, and didn't really like separate the two because there is a difference between uh, a man who likes to wear women's clothing and somebody who's trans. Um, this movie, in a very bad way, d- did try to like bring that to America's attention. I do believe that because they did go out of the way to tr- really try to trick people. Uh, we-, we call that passing, and it was just uh, it became synonymous with um, with with the trans with with the trans movement up until uh, I would say like ten years ago when we started having. Lots of trans media on things like Hulu and Amazon Prime. It was after that, and when he said that, remember Kelly wants to check the back of Ariel? She she puts her (laughs) arm around her, so you banged my brother. And I'm like, what the? It's so inappropriate. (laughs) And she's just sitting there taking it. I know, with a big smile on her face. I love her so much. Just... And then she's looking on the back of her neck for like a little valve where you blow into it, blow up, and blow up. Oh, please. <laughs> I didn't say you were the best. I said you did your best. Oh, oh. just a burn. And then I have to say this. I thought David Faustino showed some good acting and comedic chops here. 
So, bud, shall I study your brains out again tonight? No, 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 no. I really have to study alone. I have to get my diploma so I can get the hell out of this house. But, uh, come here a second, son. You're, uh, you're gonna do the right thing by this girl now, aren't you? You mean marry her? No, I mean never call her again. <laughs> because he tells Ariel, look, I really have to study alone. I have to get my diploma so I can... And get the hell out of this house. <laughs> the desperation in his eyes and his gestures was just unbelievable. Oh yeah. So he's yeah, so he's gonna square off sex. Look, Ariel, I really need to get my grades up, alright? So uh until finals are over, I'm swearing off sex. That's a good idea. I'm gonna get my grades up too. So you'll swear off sex also? I'm going to sleep with all my teachers. Thanks. But what's Arrow going to do to get her grades up? She's going to go sleep with her professors. All of them. <laughs> and she does, apparently, oh. the, uh, as we'll see at the end of this. Well, even Dean, Mar well, we'll get to that later because I noticed something. Maybe I'm sure a lot of the audience members. Noticed. I hope she just had to sleep with him. I I hope she was like, you know what? I'm going to like bypass the professors and just go right to the Dean. Oh, boy, this is so on PC. This would never air today. As hey, we haven't even gotten to the level this episode got to. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um. But, uh, yeah, so Bud is swearing off sex. And let me tell you, you're right, Stephen. Uh, David Faustino does get to act his his tight little buns off today. <laughs> e equals MC cup. <laughs> uh, I have to concentrate. She's still too sexy. <laughs> I love horny bud. Just he's, the facial features he makes, the body language, the body acting he does when he's looking through the books, when he's like side staring at that poster in his room just it's really funny he's got no one to play off of but himself yeah e equals mc cup <laughs> no it means e equals mc square you know einstein's uh energy can be calculated as the mass multiplied by the speed of light yes of course i never really fully understood that i was never a physics person. oh you didn't understand that or well, I understand to a point, but physics is something I like it. It's just hard for me to grasp sometimes in my mind. Like I've heard of it. I've seen it, you know, talk where I've heard it talked about and a couple of videos that try to explain it. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around that type of uh, thinking, physics thinking. I'm more of a metaphysical thinking like uh uh, why is that uh, girl running without a bra? Okay, Physi physics can help you understand this, Stephen. 
Physics can help you with that. Um, yeah, and like I said, I like physics and chemistry, but those are my. I was good and better in biology and physiology. I bet you were. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> if 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 anybody wants, uh, if you if you want to know, it's actually one of my favorite equations because it's it it blew my mind when I understood it because literally it explains how a, something like the atomic bomb can happen. Basically, that means um, if you have a gram of uh, take the weight of any kind of mass, so like uh, a pea, like a pea pod, and you take that, you times it by the by the speed of light, and then so a hundred and eighty thousand, and then you square that, which means times one hundred and eighty thousand by one hundred and eighty thousand. That gives you the amount of energy that's locked up inside of that pea that could go boom. So yeah, so huh. basically that means there's a lot of energy inside of inside of matter, like just locked up waiting to happen. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, that is, and it did pave the way for the atomic bomb to be built and uh, end World War Two and Nagasaki and. Um... What was the other town? I forget. Hiroshima. The first Hiroshima, yeah, and then. Uh, no, you so. said it right, Carl. Hiroshima. <laughs> I always, I, I always say it wrong. <laughs> so Bud is downstairs. He can't get his mind off sex. He's got that poster there, and let me tell you, I, I mean, you guys were, were closer to it, but I do remember those days in my teens and twenties when my mind wandered to sex probably every seven minutes, or was it every seven seconds? Um. You know, you're just like that. I'm still like that. It, I hate to tell you, this is going to decline when you get in your 40s. Stay in a college town, Stephen. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a couple of colleges here. I have one in my town, too. I mean, non-Oklahoma colleges. Hey, Carl, you're at uh, what city? You're Arizona State, No, right? University of Arizona. Oh, okay. And what city is Tucson. that in? Tucson, T-U-C-S-O-N. Tucson, okay. Oh, okay. I think I should know how to say that. I used to own a Hyundai Tucson. Oh, I didn't know. So you got Tucson down there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 look, it looks like Tucson, but it's pronounced Tucson. Steven's got nothing but uh, Sooner sluts over there. <laughs> Oh, that's wrong. You're lucky we're podcasting. We're not in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> we got some hotties here in Oklahoma. Hey, man, I'm right smacked out at Eastern Michigan University and the University of Michigan between Ann Arbor and Ipsy. And guess what? It's short, it's short, short season right now, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I saw where uh, Brian on the on – Brian, you know, Jamie's husband, the whore in the House of Salmons. I saw him today post that it's finally warm enough in Michigan where they can wear shorts, and he's happy. I'm sure he is. Uh, but but yeah. to, back to the episode, though, um, before it gets too risque, um, Bud is staring up at that poster, and I know he ends up putting a picture of Barbara Bush up on the on the face. Did I did I miss something? Where the heck did he get the uh, the pantsuit that he put on on her? Where did that come from? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Anyone got an answer? I'm guessing it came with the poster. 
<laughs> you mean the head? <laughs> I hope not. I'm just like, here's the, here's the PG, here's the the G-rated pantsuit for when mom's over. I guess. <laughs> Maybe he pulls that up. I I swear I went and grabbed a drink and then I turned around and she was wearing pants and that pink shirt. I was like, where the heck did that come from? Did he draw that? (laughs) Uh, It's funny, though. uh, It is funny. And while he's trying, so he does that to keep his mind off sex and study. And then in come his dad and a few of the members of No Man. Bud? Ow! What the hell is that? Dad, I'm trying to study. What? Why presidents marry ugly? (laughs) But, son, actually, I'm glad you're studying because then you'll be quiet while the guys and I watch TV. Today is the premiere of the new Biggins Network, B-U-N. Or Bun. Watch it down here on my small TV. We're not watching the bun on your small TV. Uh, you, uh, you guys want to give me a hand here with Marcy's TV? Sure. Put it right there. Dad, I'm not going to be able to study with you guys sitting there watching bimbo TV. They're not bimbos. They're hooteracious Americans. <laughs> well, secondly, son, you're not even going to notice that we're here. Welcome to the premiere of the Big Uns Network. I'm former Senator Bob Packwood. And this is a real dear diary day for me. This is ridiculous. I'm going to have to find a place to study where there's absolutely nothing that can turn me on. Okay. I have a question here. Why do these men have to count down to the basement when they have a TV upstairs? Because you're watching the Uns Network. And it, it's like, okay, Stephen, it's like if you were going to watch um, HBO, back when HBO meant nothing but boobs. You're not going to watch it in the family room in the broad daylight. You're going to go down to your basement where there's something dark and there's no windows. That would make sense. Thank you. Yeah, like possibly. Yeah. Well, they got that satellite dish up there. That's just going to be a longer cable to pull down. And- I just don't see no ma'am, and I'm I'm considering this a no ma'am meeting here. They get their shirts on later, but uh, no mm-hmm. ma'am hangs out in the garage, or in this case, the basement. I don't see Al bringing no ma'am into the house. I think he would consider it tainting the ma- the. Uh, the the name of no ma'am to have them in this the the den of sin of where his wife is <laughs> plus it would also give an excuse to keep kelly from watching it and getting all grossed out exactly yeah that's right okay thank you my it was just kind of struck me as oh odd. and they stole marcy's tv so <laughs> <laughs> that too but still i say Al's tv was bigger than marcy's we don't see it. We don't see it enough. So hard to. It was back in I forget which um, the exact season. Season five, you got to know when to hold them. When Marcy and Peg ran off to uh, Vegas after Steve left Marcy, and Al was giving the description of his TV to the police officer. 
19 inches. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Had little notches on the side where the kids grew. <laughs> and, oh, and if you can, find my wife too. I mean, <laughs> so we know it's a 19-inch TV. That one looked at least like a 25 to 27-inch, which... You know, those were considered pretty big at the time. And these, and, and these days, they'd be considered uh, small monitors. Yes, they would be. And, and they have to go down there to watch the Biggins Network or Fun. <laughs> Freaking love it. <laughs> and I thought of this when I was doing some research on it, you know, this new network. And I think it was in 1995 or 96 when the FCC deregulated cable, the cable industry. And that allowed more and more cable networks to show up. That was about the time ESPN2 came out. And that led to, and uh, that's when Fox Sports Network expanded, as well as uh, Arts and Entertainment because that, and Discovery. Then they branched into the History Channel, the Biography Channel. Nick at Night formed a TV land about that time. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting that they kind of, or that they kind of reflect the times that were going on for those of you who weren't around in the 90s. And now they're all gone. I mean, they're not gone, but who gives a crap? You got the streaming now. That is true. But back in 1992, the networks are alive, as is the Big Uns Network, with former <laughs> Senator Bob Packwood. It's a real diary, dear diary day for him. <laughs> Senator Bob Packwood, uh, born September 11th of 1932, is an American former attorney and politician from Oregon and a member of the Republican Party. He resigned from the United States Senate under threat of expulsion in 1995 after allegations of sexual harassment, abuse, and assault of women emerged. Packwood's political career began to unravel in November of 1992 when a Washington Post story detailed claims of sexual abuse and assault from 10 women, chiefly former staffers and lobbyists. Publication of the story was delayed until after the 1992 election, as Packwood had denied the allegations and the Post had not gathered enough information about the story at the time. Packwood defeated Democratic nominee Lay O'Coin, 52.1 to 46.5%. Eventually, 19 women came forward. And Packwood was also mentioned in three previous episodes of Married with Children. Oh, actually, two episodes. Back in Season 8, he appeared in Change for a Buck when, when Peggy asked Al if pouring some oil on some women, even Senator Packwood wouldn't grope. And also in Season 9, Episode 19, Ship Happens Part 2, when Kelly tells reporters that Senator Packwood chased her around the bed. I forgot what, how he was mentioned in Change for a Buck. I do remember Ship Happens, too, because that's one of my favorites. And then... <laughs> oh, my God. What was that for? Just for being you, Miss Hardaway. You're so cute. <laughs> what can I do for you? Be as creative as you like with your answer. I would just like the, uh, the reserved reading for these classes, please. Yeah. Uh, by the way, do you have a, a poster of yourself I could hang up over my desk? <laughs> well, I don't have a poster of myself, but I was featured in this magazine. Library uns? 
I'm the centerfold. Bud goes to the library. And we see again one of my favorite recurring characters, Miss Hardaway, <laughs> who is appropriately named. I wish she would have recurred, you know, had, maybe had two or three more appearances. I think she could have been used in that uh, virtual reality when the college was doing sex experiments, but was involved in. I mean, who better to head that up than Miss Exactly. Hardaway? <laughs> And Hardaway's character, just to remind you, was originally on Dial B for a Virgin and played by Beverly Archer. She was born July 19, 1948, and she is best known for her television roles, at, roles as Iola Boland on Mama's Family and as Gunnery Sergeant Alba Bricker on Major Dad. It is very obvious she is infatuated with Bud. <laughs> We're going to have to act fast. I'll keep her talking. You go to her house. Say what? Don't argue. Take your handbook and your never had it, never will virgin hotline cap. <laughs> Hurry, or I'm going to have to call my boyfriend. Take my car. I'll call with the address. And Bud, you have a really cute tush. <laughs> Are you trying to seduce me, Miss Hardway? Or Miss Hardaway, you're trying to seduce me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love. I think she's hilarious. She's perfect for the role. She plays it well. And I remember a quote. I talked about it in the Dial B for a Virgin, and uh, she said that uh, she knows she's not a very attractive woman, and what she offers for a role is intelligence and brains, and she's ha okay with that. I love it. He kisses her, and she says, "What's that for, bud?" For being you, Miss Hardaway. <laughs> and then he asks, by the way, you have a poster of yourself I can hang up over my desk? Well, I don't have the poster of myself, but I was featured in this magazine. The first but great joke, library uns. <laughs> the second joke, I'm the centerfold, says Miss Hardaway. <laughs> and then Bud's reaction. <laughs> great scream. Oh, <laughs> and let me tell you, I when when he said library, and you know what? It's much easier seeing it written out in our notes. Library apostrophe capital U uns. Uh, it made me almost come up with a better, a different uh, opening title for our podcast. Welcome to the Mary with Children podcast uns, or like we're like we're we're, we're all on the cover of podcast uns. And Stephen, you could be the centerfold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, no, 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 no. That would be that would be serious uh, violation of the First Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I still say we should do a Marywood Children podcast calendar. I think that would be a lot. I, I honestly, I'm a hundred percent sure we would sell. We would sell some copies. Oh. And, and we could put the dates of all the days I'm keeping track of on this day in Mary with Children history. Yeah, absolutely. We can come <laughs> up on like Psycho Dad Day and um, <laughs> like all all the best, all the best ideas. But um, 
that's for a yeah. different uh the different day in the future but yes yeah, so bud's mm-hmm. boner is temporarily taken away by miss hardaway aptly named and then he has to go through some readings that the class is assigned <laughs> Here are the books. I've marked the parts you're supposed to read, and I've taken the liberty of putting my home phone number on the bookmark. Oh, but if you're looking for a quiet place to study, try that reading room there. It's very private. Thanks. I'll give it a try. Oh, this is perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Now, I can finally forget about sex and concentrate on my studies. Oh, I guess I'll start with Shakespeare here. Her breasts, like ivory globes circled with blue, pair of maiden worlds unconquered. God, what I wouldn't give for a pair of globes right now. Okay. Gotta calm down. Okay, what could be less stimulating than biology? The woman indicates her readiness by... When the female has reached peak arousal, Oh, I'd like to peek at some arousal. Okay, no sex, no sex, no sex, no sex. Okay, anthropology will definitely cool me down. Costumes of the Trobrian Islanders. Okay. Hmm, the women use coconut shells as clothing. Hey, those aren't coconut shells. But those are coconuts. A man can only take so much. I wonder what's up with Bud. What are some of those readings, Tyler? Well, some Shakespeare that I don't remember reading, but I guess I'll start with her breasts like ivory globes circled with blue, a pair of maiden worlds unconquered. Oh, I'd like to see some globes right now. Nope, 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 nope. (laughs) That's from The Rape of Lucretius. Let's see. Okay, how about anthropology, Bud says. Nothing uh, that'll cool you down. Costumes of the Trubad of the <clears throat> Cost- costumes of the Trobian Islanders. Costumes of the Trobian Islanders. I thought that was a fake place, but our awesome researchers on Mary Children podcast back behind the screens proved me wrong. The Trobian Islands are a 450 square kilometer archipelago of coral atolls off the east coast atolls atolls off the east coast of New Guinea they are a part of the nation of Papua New Guinea and are in 
Mile Nolan Mil Screw the, these names. Milne Bay Province. Most of the population of 12,000 indigenous inhabitants live on the main island of some name, which is also the location of the government station, another name. Curiwina and Lusuya. I'm not being a jerk, listeners. I really am having trouble reading these names. <laughs> You know, maybe we should ask Matt and Annabelle if they've ever been at this place. I think that is in their geographic region, not too far from um, Australia. And then Bud can't take it anymore. He's got to release the tension. And as guys, we know what that's like. It, that tension can build. And I find out, yeah, you can think better after you have done the bunting. Yeah, but seriously, bro, like in public with people like I don't know, man. Uh, if you're go to your car. Like <laughs> I just <laughs> Yeah. Or at least go to a private bathroom stall or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or do it in the shower. Go yeah, do it in a place where a female um student, which I do believe that had to have been a female student who walked in on him because uh, it's the only reason there'd be a trial for this uh, will walk in on you because that might actually be considered sexual assault. I get it. Yes, you do think better after a little tension relief, but not in school. Just don't do it in school, which is why both me and Carl claimed our jobs and why Steven absolutely cannot. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I just want to kind of talk about this. I told you how it's lost, masturbation has lost its stigma in the church over the last uh, 15 to 20 years. And I was actually remembering this old article. I was able to find it online. It was something I found. It was an old men's health art article. I used to subscribe to that. Uh, Ten incredible health benefits to masturbation. One, it can lower your prostate cancer risk. Two, it says it can make you harder. Well, sort of, I guess. I think it would do the opposite. <laughs> yeah, but as you age, yeah, as you age, you naturally lose muscle tone, even down there. So regular sex or masturbation works out your pelvic floor muscles to prevent ED and incontinence. Uh, it also helps you last longer during sex. So uh, I think some people might argue against that. I don't know. But if you know how your body works, I guess you could say that will help you in controlling it a little bit. It also boosts, boosts immunity. It boosts your mood because it release, releases neurochemicals like dopamine and oxycotin that lift your spirits. You know, those are hormones that go into your brain. It also can help you fall asleep. Boy, as guys, we know that. It can increase your lifespan, according to a Welsh study of 1,000 men over the course of 20 years. I won't go into more details. It can also improve your skin. It helps you to get to know your own body better, and it overall will improve your health. It will not cause you to go blind, although I have to wear glasses now. <laughs> and my contact script has to be changed yearly, so 
<laughs> How are your eyes over there, Carl? <laughs> Look, I've had to wear glasses since like the third grade, so uh, my eyes have been. Wow, that's you started young. Thank God we're yeah. not using both hands. What would happen then? Like <laughs> this was years before that. Okay. <laughs> oh, and you knew where the fate was coming. Another thing about it is that, well, you can't get you know people can get addicted to it. Men and women, but more likely men. Anything's addictive. But we digress. Wait a minute. Why did Char- why did I say something, Charlie? For and sadly, we're not oh, well. digressing. Like this is all has to do yeah. with what we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to go home and face his death. <laughs> this is Senator Packwood live from the Big Guns Olympics. <laughs> The officials are on the field measuring. It's a new world record. 72 and one half inches. She's won the gold. Yes, I knew she had what it takes. What event is it? Long jump? Nah, they're just measuring her chest. Dad, I need to talk to you. The university just put me on probation. Way to go, son. What'd you do? Paint the school mascot? Go on a panty raid? I was caught having sex in a school library. <laughs> oh, right! That's my one! <laughs> Who's the lucky girl? <laughs> You're shaking her. to be tried by the university deans. I might not be able to graduate. Would you give me a hand? Obviously, you have too many as it is. If I don't graduate, I might just live here forever. Son, you need the best defense no money can buy. Dad, I got kicked out of, or I got on probation. What'd you do? Panty raid? <laughs> no, Dad, I got caught having sex with someone in the library. And his dad grabs his hand and shaking it. Oh, congratulations, though. Who is the girl? You, you're shaking You're touching her right you're now. You're shaking her. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know something you have to realize? When you do shake it, when men shake hands, it's usually the right hand that you shake with. That's what we typically masturbate with, if you're, especially if you're right-handed. What I love about that whole scene, and Carl, weigh in if you, if you agree with me on this. I thought Al, because Al's the type of dude who would do this, is like, well done, son. I thought he was going to walk up and just realistically pat him on the back. Like, look, that's my boy. But he does a whoop of his hand and grabs his hand and I thought for one millisecond that's weird why is he grabbing his hand oh and the joke was all set up for me and I I loved every second yeah, yeah I would agree with you oh, I would agree boy. with you Tyler on that one because I'm like my dad would not shake my hand if he found that out I do believe my dad would pat me on the back like look at you and then give me a pat on the back like I would not think like Way to go, son, for having sex in school. Let me shake your hand. 
Yeah, this one is a riot. And Al has this. Uh, oh, pardon me. I want to bring this up because we know Bud has this issue. <laughs> please. Bundy. Bud Bundy. Is this your first time? (laughs) Are you kidding? Why does everyone look at me and just assume I'm a virgin? Because I'm not. Could a virgin tell you the name and last book read by every Playboy centerfold in the last 10 years? I've been there and back, baby. I know the female body like I know my own hand. I mean, the back of my hand. Bud, oh, Bud, they scream. Why, once, I even took a girl... Sir, I just meant, is this the first time you're voting? I guess that's something I can admit to? Yes, yes, it is. Tell me, where do I go and what do I do with it? I bet that isn't the first time you asked that. That must be her now. A half hour early, I might add. Well, who can blame her? Sometimes I can't wait to touch myself either. (laughs) You know what I mean. I'm afraid we do. Wait a minute. I know what's happening. I'm dreaming again. Yeah, that's it. As soon as I touch her, I'll be in school without my pants on. Come on, bud, rub me. Hurry. Hey, this is great. Gee, I hope I don't wake up with the whole family staring at me. Again. so strong especially the right one Al thinks we have to get the best defense that money can't buy and who comes to his defense Marcy We will now try the case of Tremaine College versus Bud Bundy. We have convened here at the scene of the crime. Um, you're, uh, not going to recreate it, are you? <laughs> no, that was not my intention, Dean Marquand. But I cannot speak for Mr. Bundy. Perhaps he should be handcuffed during these proceedings? That will not be necessary. I am confident that my client can control himself. Then obviously you haven't seen the videotape. (laughs) I think I can defend Mr. Bundy without viewing the tape. In fact, that was the one condition on which I agreed to take the case. (laughs) Bud Bundy, how do you plead? Absolutely 100% not guilty. (laughs)
Marcy. <laughs> of all people. But no, okay, see, I hear what you just said there, Carl, and I, I would have agreed with you at first. But then as I thought about it, this is absolutely something Marcy would totally be down with. Um, she is a woman who is completely uh, against sexual shaming and likes to present herself as a form of authority. And I, in lieu of a woman she can defend, Bud's the closest in the uh, Bundy household that he can she can get. Sorry, Bud. <laughs> but I do believe this is something that she would be interested in doing. Probably. And I just, I find it interesting also, I mean, you were mentioning about how women could possibly get addicted to masturbation. I mean, if that, if that woman isn't addicted, I don't know who is. Hell, she can talk herself into orgasm. I'd lost count about how many times she's done that on the show. She's oh, done yeah. it a lot. Oh, yeah, I bet she was doing it yeah. while she was defending Bud Light. Well, oh, yeah, she talks about how, um, let me quote from your handbook. And so in light of the videotape evidence and the eyewitness account of the now traumatized student who had the misfortune of opening the door at exactly the wrong moment, <laughs> we must conclude that Bud Bundy is absolutely 100% guilty. Does the defense possibly have anything to say other than the obvious, I'm so, so sorry? We do not dispute the evidence of this case. Then you admit the defendant committed this crime. He committed the act. There was no crime. Allow me to quote from your official student handbook. Abstinence saves lives. <laughs> And what guarantees abstinence better than self-love? Constant, never-ending self-love. I ask you to look at this young man. Would you rather he do what he did or be out there breeding? Abstinence saves lives. And what guarantees abstinence more than self-love? Constant. Never-ending self-love. The way she said it was perfect. <laughs> and then she goes on and says, would you rather he be caught doing doing what he did or be out there breeding? <laughs> oh, you got to say it the way Marcy said, or being out there breeding. <laughs> but no, like, ha let me quote from your handbook. <laughs> like, I don't think that one was a joke, but the fact that we've gotten almost every pun you can think of in here. I'm just, I'm so attuned to it by now. Like, it's just, like, everything yeah. is a jack-off joke. <laughs> and by the way, this is a week later after he tells his dad and after the instance, so we've got some time in there. But after the introduction of the trial, um, we go back to the Bundy household and Al is still watching the, uh, the Bun Network, or the Biggins Network. Yep, it's really nice of Bud to let us watch the Biggins Extreme Games in his room. <laughs> By the way, where is your son? I have no son. <laughs> Haven't you heard? Bud was caught in the Tremaine Library doing what will soon be referred to as uh, the Bundy. <laughs> 
try to raise a kid with values and decency. Ooh, look, Biggins free fall. <laughs> you don't need a parachute when you've got un. Enough to make you want to do the Bundy. <laughs> oh, I give Bud credit. The library's a pretty creative place. Most creative place I ever did it was on an airplane. Hey, I did it in the bathroom on an airplane? Who said anything about a bathroom? <laughs> and I did the Bundy at the ice capades. <laughs> During my driving test. Watching Shaft. <laughs> On my honeymoon. <laughs> On your honeymoon? That doesn't count. With his buddies, and they're wondering where Bud is, and they have to admit, oh, he has no son. <laughs> He's on trial for touching himself in the library. And then these guys start thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's not so bad. You know, they talk about, you know, how it's guys' stuff and they need it. And they list the places where they have um, masturbated. Was that before or after Free Fall and Biggins? After, because they're watching the After, uh, yeah. the Biggins Olympics. <laughs> yeah, but what are some? You know, look at some of the places where they claim to have done the Bundy. During my driving test. <laughs> During my driving <laughs> test, Stephen has uh, any stories you can give us there? <laughs> no, not at all. Not given driving lessons or no. And did, someone said they did it on a on an air. Oh, was that Ike also did on the? And they thought he did it in the bathroom. Who <laughs> said anything about a bathroom? That's why the floors are always so sticky. <laughs> that's why they call. <laughs> oh, that's man. why they call it the Mile High Club. <laughs> yeah, would it still count as being in the Mile High Club if you did that? Um, with the way uh, the way Bud describes it, yes. The way Bill Clinton describes it, probably not. We need to ask Chris Gunther. He's an expert. <laughs> He's an expert. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find out. I'm gonna I am gonna contact him. <laughs> oh God. L uh listeners in the Facebook page, if you feel like it, uh does that count as the Mile High Club? Let us know. <laughs> Griff, while watching the shaft. <laughs> Shaft is a 1971 American black exploitation crime action film directed by Gordon Parks and written by Ernest Tidyman and John D. F. Black. It is an adaptation of Tidyman's novel of the same name and is the first entry in the Shaft film series. The plot revolves around a private detective named John Shaft who is hired by a Harlem mobster to rescue his daughter from the Italian mobsters who kidnapped her. The film stars Richard Roundtree as Shaft, alongside Moses Gunn, Charles Siafi, Christopher St. John, and Lawrence Pressman. The film deals with themes like the black power movement, race, masculinity, and sexuality. It was filmed in Harlem, Greenwich Village, and Times Square within the Manhattan borough of New York City. Shaft was one of the first and most popular black exploitation films, which marked a turning point for this type of film and spawned a number of sequels and knockoffs. The Shaft soundtrack album, recorded by Isaiah Hayes, was also a success. And might I add that the uh, 
that the original theme for Shaft also won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. I didn't know that. Huh. Have any of you guys ever seen that? Um, nope. My only uh, knowledge of it is the uh, Simpsons singing the Shaft song. Just the Shaft song. <laughs> Yeah, Shaft. <laughs> I need to watch it though. I've heard it re- referenced a lot, so it's been a long time since I've seen it. I think I saw a couple of other one, a couple of other of those types of movies, and man, it was in um, it was was it in Spring Break too, or maybe during the uh, I can't believe it's Butter. There was a reference. Oh yeah, it was in. I can't believe it's not butter. When Griff mentions his, um, it was a woman or who played Foxy Brown, I think something like that. Uh, that's I believe that's coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was uh, another black ex black exploitation type of film that went on through the seventies, and I saw a couple of those. And it's kind of hard to get into. Maybe it's just my ethnicity. I don't know. But, I mean, that's uh, probably it. Like, it's a it it's a de- if it, it's a niche genre that would have been shocking when they came out, but now we're it's kind of like confusing. But I think if you get really into it, you'll start noticing some stuff that's like some trends and everything that are really funny. So. One thing I thought was interesting, in 1973, Roger Moore's first Bond film was Live and Let Die. And you can really see how black exploitation really influenced mm-hmm. that film. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I'm scared now to watch Shaft because, Carl, I don't know if I mentioned this publicly. The The group knows about it. I've been trying... Anytime a movie is referenced in Marywood Children openly... Either a character is watching it, not a fake movie, a real one, or someone refers to watching it. I try to watch it, too. Um, one of my most famous ones was Shenandoah, the one that made Al like start crying the second his family came in. Um, <laughs> that movie got me. I bawled like a baby at the end of it. Oh, man, just like hit the acting done. It's just, whew. Jimmy Stewart, he's, he's very powerful. powerful. Now I'm worried if I watch Shaft and I end up jerking it. Um, well, that's a that's a coincidence, Tyler. You mentioned that because when we did Dud Bowl Two a while back, um, we talked about one of the films that Terry Bradshaw starred in was The Cannonball Run. I had never seen it until then, and then as soon as it came out, and I heard about The Cannonball Run again, I went went in to go watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was good, wasn't it? It sure was. Great way to like watch media, watch old sitcoms and stuff, and then when they br- bring up real life movies or shows, go check them out. <laughs> yeah, I probably saw that one a dozen times when I was in junior high school. Yeah, but uh, in early high. But school. yes, Al has an epiphany though, um, with with all this talk about mutual <laughs> mutual self fun. I think I may have been a little too harsh on my son. After all, the only thing he really did wrong was going to the library in the first place. <laughs> the rest is totally understandable. I mean, we men have our needs. <laughs> it's women who tell us these things are wrong. 
And why? Because they want to take away the only good sex we have. I know now what we must do. He goes, who tell, like, this isn't a bad thing. And who tells us it's bad? Women. And why do they do it? To take away the only good sex we get. (laughs) And I think we can all disagree on that. But he might have a point in something that he's saying because I've noticed something. There is a big lack of... And just... Okay, any other show, I would understand this. But Married with Children, I'm... I would love, love to talk to the creator again or any one of our interviewees about this episode specifically and find out if Fox moved in and some of the censors hacked some of the original screenplay to death. Because I bet you 10 to 1 there were going to be jokes about uh, Kelly, about Peggy, and Marcy all doing the deed. Because this show usually is quite equal with debaucherous nature for both men and women but we're only talking about men doing the deed and i totally can hear a censor going look watch the words but you guys can talk to death about men jacking it everyone knows that's not sexy but you even allude to Christina Applegate doing that, we're gonna have tons of censors talking about we're t- we're we're talking about porn and stuff. So I think it. Well, I do, I do, I do believe they have to send in a script of what they're going to do. So, I mean, it's a possibility. But remember, they have the script has to be within twenty two mm-hmm. minutes. I'm just saying that might be where all this yeah. biggins stuff came in. This mm-hmm. uns network came yeah. in because it does seem I like it. It's fun, but it's not expanded i'll talk about this more in my ultimate review i like it but it does make me question whether or not there would be some jokes and humor because the episode seems to be centered around one thing masturbation and it just surprised me that kelly who is usually also very very hypersexual and marcy and all the other women on this show they don't. We don't even allude to women doing it. Not even Miss Hardway. Well, no, actually. Well, if you go back to Dial B for Virgin. Here is your Virgin Hotline handbook. Memorize its pithy wisdom. Reach out and touch yourself. <laughs> I love the nineties. In the nineties, yes, I think that's when the stigma started to go away. And people would be a little bit more open about it, even younger people who back in the 80s that you wouldn't admit that you masturbated. You would only admit that you had sex with a girl. And I think that's partly where some of the stigma comes from. It's just that um, it it's a kind of a double standard. Oh, really. No, it's 100 percent a double standard. It's just like it's just like uh friends had a saying uh joey gets really mad one day and he looks at the tv guide and going damn you tv guide a man's butt isn't nudity so there's that kind of, uh, that's what i'm saying on this this maybe we're allowed to talk about all the no ma'am guys and bud because the idea of a man masturbating is not as seen as humorous whereas the idea of a woman masturbating is seen as titillating 
and or obscene from a ni- early 90s Fox television censorship point of view. Not married with children. I think they would want to include those jokes. Oh, well, yeah. And they didn't. Carl, you, you know, Carl, you mentioned a, the Seinfeld episode, one of my favorite episodes, and it's never mentioned once. <laughs> No, of course not. They couldn't mention the the word masturbating because the NBC the NBC censors were a lot more stricter over there, and like so they had to be a lot more creative. So they had to say things like "treat your body like it was an amusement park" or "Are you master of your domain?" <laughs> or the yeah. king of the castle. Or the best picture money being smacked on the table. I'm out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and he was gone for only a minute. Crowd, I've never heard an audience like lose their minds, including in my own household when I first saw that. Like, there, and you know what? There's an episode of that 70s show, which this is what made me think about this, by the way, because I thought of that episode. All the episodes involving masturbation are popping into my head. But on that 70s show, Eric um, is, I forget why he's doing this, because I think he's still. He's either on a break from Donna or they haven't gotten back together or something, but he discovers masturbation or something, but he becomes addicted to it. Like, that's all he's doing. He's not going out. He's not dating. He's not trying to, like, you know, be more virile. And he walks downstairs and he's covered in a bl- covered in a blanket and he goes, do you got he's like, I realized I can just take care of myself. I don't need women. And he's like, do you guys realize what I'm holding in my hand? And one of the guys is like, oh, please, just clean up and get over with it. Uh, But he's like, no, I found the secret. But later at the end of the episode, Donna's like, well, you're just being, what do you call it? You're just being like too routine about it. Bang, bang, spank, done. No, like make a whole evening out of it. Set some candles, Put some nice music on, dim the lights. That's what I do when I. And the audience almost blows their minds. And he even Eric goes, "Wait, you?" And she's like, "Uh," and walks away. And I remember my teenage mind thinking of Donna, thinking of that. And I think I know what I did after that episode was over. But I'm just saying, like, I, I was able to watch an entire episode of Eric on that '70s show talk about masturbation and i was laughing and hooing and hawn the second one of the girls was brought up then it became very titillating so maybe the censors were right but it made me think that they were worried about that kind of stuff that it just seems strange that there's not one reference to um like why the other women in the bundy household didn't storm in on this court thing too like well, Peggy was gone for the time. She wasn't at the, uh, the. She wasn't. She was still oh, on the journey. Oh, that's right. I see. My mind mentally put her in at the beginning when they were all like uh, showering, but like, yay, good for you, son. Um, in my mind, put her in there. But like, why Kelly didn't pop in, and why Marcy didn't make even a joke about like, like we all do, even me or something like that, and just, like, own your sexuality. I don't know. It's just something that I thought that started popping into my head while we were talking about this. So, 
Well, first of all, you got to remember Fox had become a real network at this time. And so they did have network sensors and I guess you could say standards. But even during the show's earlier time, they talked. I mean, there were references to masturbation, both subtle and overt. I mean, Peggy having Otis, for mm, example. Good point. Okay. And Bud, back in season, I think it was six, when he was Grandmaster Yeah. B. Yes, that, that whole thing. You know, that was a mm-hmm. that was a lot more subtle, but it was yes, still you there. Can, it's different when it's and, subtle instead of it's just laid out uh-huh. on a plate like it is on this one. So it's just something that I'm interested in. I'm also interested in what are the rest of our listeners and anybody who's commenting might be might think about this. So, yeah, just did they did Mary with Children possibly have a first draft of a script where it did include our female characters? Uh, bringing it in because that would be something kind of big to have that. Oh, wait, women do it too. <gasps> Boom. Uh, I think it was, I doubt that. I'm really thinking this was created as a bud centric episode and he's been the running gag of that joke. I mean, throughout most of the series. And on top of that, it seems like that um, he always gets the most humiliating things happen for him. It's always hurt, seems to happen to him. Being the poster boy for the Virgin Hotline, the big page ad, the uh, the jingle, and then being plastered on the side of all the buses, okay? Even though so, this episode is about Bud's redemption. Yes, he's embarrassed, but everybody, including the No Man guys, uh, everything like, yes, to his detriment, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it all seems to be a redemption. I'll expand on this more later on, on when I review it, but it's just something I wanted to bring up now as a okay. point of topic. Okay. We go back to the trial, and after the men decide we're going to stand up for Bud, Marcy is making her final statements, and her final statements was uh, pretty condemning. <laughs> and so in conclusion... I say, if touching yourself is a crime, then who among us does not deserve the chair? (laughs) All right. We concede that what Bud did was not in itself a crime. But how do you explain doing it in the library? Well, I'm glad you asked that. But... How the hell do you explain it? (laughs) If touching yourself is a crime, then who of us doesn't deserve the chair? (laughs) And they all hang their heads. A lot of celebrities get arrested for masturbating. (laughs) You know, George Michael, Pee Wee Herman, they, they, you know, they get arrested. If masturbation's a crime, I should be on death row. And then that's when Ms. Hardaway says, wait a minute, you know, this is natural, but he was doing it in the library like you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. Tyler. And then Bud gives his defense. Easily. I was set up. I direct the attention of the court to Ms. Hardaway, who has had a crush on me for years. In fact, at this very moment, she's thinking about what I must look like under my clothes. Is a tight little lie. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a little white lie. Can you deny that on the night in question you gave me your home phone number? This number? 
Yeah. <laughs> and did you not tell me which study room to sit in, knowing full well it had a surveillance camera? Did you not give me erotic textbooks with all the good parts marked? You gave him costumes of the Trobriand Islanders? I did. My God, the boy is only human. So you see, I, I was entrapped. By a a middle-aged librarian who saw a hot little tushy and wanted more. That is not true. I dare you to take a look at this and still deny your feelings. All right, I confess. I am in love with Bud Bundy. Whenever he comes in the library, I turn the heat up so I'll have to strip down to his tank top. When he returns a book late, I always hope he'll say, I've been a bad boy, Miss Hardaway. Spank me hard. The court will excuse me if I heave. I've read every book on loving in this library. I could do things to him he's never even dreamed of. Really? She included her home, home phone number on this marker. She reserved a room with a camera giving him ex explicitly sex sexually explicit books to read. She has she has a crush on him and is addressing him with his eyes right now. That's a tight little lie. <laughs> oh man. I I love Bud like using this incredibly inappropriate behavior between a school's fac a faculty a school faculty staff member towards a student and i love where he i believe he takes that piece of paper i believe he pulls that from his back pocket literally speaking yeah. he kept that in his back pocket until he needed it the most well, then he well, threw yeah, it away. I mean, no, I'm just liking the uh, the mm -hmm. vis the visual idea of keeping mm -hmm. this thing he knows about. I'm going to keep this in my back pocket, figuratively and literally, until I need to use this. Like, I don't know. I just like that. It's a little cool yeah. bit of staging. Okay. I got to tell you, this one had me rolling on the floor laughing. I kid you not. She confessed that she was in love. Whenever he comes to the library, I turn up the, the heat. So I'll have to strip down to his tank top. When he returns a book late, I always help him say, I've been a bad boy, Miss Hardaway. Spank me hard. I've read every book on living in this library. I could do things to him he's never dreamed of. And then Buck goes back to that phone number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, older women, they're more experienced. You, you got, you know what? Screw it, man. Have fun. <laughs> Remember, she's Miss Hardaway, not Mrs. Yep, Hardaway. and she's not going to be a faculty member much longer after this. Well, the record. Oh, that's sealed. right. Ugh. <laughs> yes. I think we have a unanimous verdict. We will dismiss this case, allow Mr. Bundy to graduate, 
and seal the records so as to maintain the good name of the Michael Milken Library. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Mrs. Darcy. Oh, you were great. And best of all, nobody's ever going to know about this ugly little incident. The record was sealed. We will never uh -huh. talk about this again. <laughs> no, we will never talk about enemies again. Well, I just talked about it. Just stop doing that. <laughs> Dean Marquand, you know, is shocked. You gave him the women of the Trobrian Islands or something like that. After all, the boy is only human. We will dismiss this case and allow Mr. Bundy to graduate and seal the records so as to maintain the good name of the Michael Milken Library. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that was one of the best jokes in here. Well, first of all, I never heard of Michael Milton until this until this episode, but we'll go into further detail about him right now. So Michael Milken, born July 4th of 1946, is an American financer and philanthropist. He is noted for his role in the development of the market for high-yield bonds, otherwise known as junk bonds, and his conviction and sentence following a guilty plea on felony charges for violating U.S. securities laws. Milken was indicted for racketeering and securities fraud in 1989 in an insider trading investigation. As a result of plea bargain, he pleaded guilty to securities and reporting violations that not racketeering or insider trading. Milken was sentenced to 10 years in prison, fined $600 million, and permanently barred from the securities industry by the Securities and Exchange Commission. His sentence was later reduced to two years for cooperating with testimony against his former colleagues and for good behavior. Since his release from prison, Milken has funded medical research. Since his release from prison, he has also become known for his charitable giving. Milken was also pardoned by President Donald Trump on February 18th of 2020. I was not familiar with Michael Milken either. And while you were reading that, <laughs> I hate to admit I'm thinking, so did they, did they rename this uh, library since the conviction, or did they just rename it because of the conversation? Oh, I bet they buckled down and just kept it. <laughs> they probably named it uh, after, the, after the conviction was over because apparently, based on what I'm reading here, he, um, his sentence was reduced, and he basically um, started... Uh, giving money to charity and he probably donated a, a bunch of money to Tremaine University like he did with like all these other people do with the under, under universities that's how you get your name put on these buildings you donate a certain amount of money you get your name put on a building donate another certain amount of money you get a whole university get a whole college named after you you can you can go into the Epstein Hall in Yale so mm -hmm. I think they gave he gave so much money to uh to, to Yale that I think they gave him his own like office on campus like s somewhere between like five and six hundred million dollars something like that <laughs> real quick I want to talk about the man who played Dean Marquand because um, he does have a decent career in television he's played by William Ute born seven se pardon me September 7th 1947 he has 75 acting credits, most of which are single-episode TV roles, at most maybe two. And he was most noted as a regular for Days of Our Lives. Since 1995, he has appeared in 847 episodes as Dr. William Rolfe. 
He also appeared in 35 episodes of Night Court, which is where I knew him from, where he played Phil, a bum who secretly was a millionaire, who also became a lackey for Dan Fielding's character, played by John Lorquette. And actually, this was his second appearance in Mary with Children. He also appeared in episode one, eight, as a bum in the poker game. Wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, Bud is almost in the clear. But then everybody shows up. Free the Bundy One! 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 one. This is Miranda Veracrystal Ahoya Cardinal. (laughs) Broadcasting live at Trumaine College, where the group called No Ma'am is here picketing in support of Bud Bundy's inalienable right as an American to touch himself in the library. Anywhere else, for that matter. Four, three, two, one. Buds a lover. He has fun. Three, four, six, eight. It's his only steady day. One, two, three, four. He should never lock the door. His father, Jefferson, Ike, and Griff, and they've alerted the press about it, and so Miranda has to come in. I love that she just slides right in. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, for the first time ever, I noticed one, they were wearing their Nomad t-shirts, and just about every member had a sign, give this boy a hand, give a hoot, and (laughs) self-pollute. Reach out and touch yourself. <laughs> Those were the three signs that they were holding up. Audience, watch that and you will notice that. <laughs> I never noticed that before, the signs, what they said. I also noticed that there's Ariel in the background with the No Man crew chanting in favor of Bud, too, while we're at it. <laughs> I missed that. I missed Give. that. But thank you, Carl. Thank Give you. Give a hoot. Oh, boy. Self-pollute. Don't be bland. Right. Use your hand. How about that? <laughs> uh, and then we get to see uh, Bud walking to get his diploma. Of course, of course, Ariel goes before her and gets a kiss from Dean Marquand. Okay. So it's implying that she even slept with him to uh, get the up. And then... Bud comes up, and Mark one does not want to shake his hand. <laughs> Perfect. I love the way uh, Bud um, grabbed his uh, diploma and tossed his hat in the air. He is now a graduate of college. The first Bundy to graduate college, as far as we know. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. 
you can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, we are back. Carl, how many centerfolds of librarians are you going to look at for this episode? Okay. So you can do the Bundy later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys for having me back on here. Um, This was a really good episode, and they really pushed it uh, far the edge. Um, We have some really good characters appearing in this episode. So in addition to the No Man crew, we also see Ariel, who's one of my favorite girlfriends that that Bud is dated next to Amber. And then we also have another um, recruiting appearance from my all-time favorite married children supporting cast member, Miranda Veracruz of the Hoya Cardinal. And then, uh, see, uh, we also um, see, we also have the Bun Network that is in the uh, episode. Um, basically, uh, we have to have a storyline for the No Man crew because they um, we we can't all go along with the same uh, storyline that Bud's going under. Um, Bud, on the other hand, um, he really has his handful pretty well in this episode, and I can really. <laughs> <laughs> And I can really, I can pretty much relate to him quite often in this episode. So, in regard to that, I mean, um, studying for finals, getting his diploma, um, having to respond to the dean of students um, before he can uh, graduate. Because I've once, unfortunately, had to go through something like that myself for reasons which I will not go into. But like, I can relate to what he what he had to go through. And then. Um, we also saw a brief uh, appearance from Kelly at the beginning of the episode. I would love to see her a little bit more. But other than that, um, th- they did a really good job with this episode, and it's very sad we didn't get to see Peggy in the episode. But um, you know what? I'm going to go all in for this. I'm going to actually um, do five centerfolds of library uns for this episode. Okay. Tyler. How many centerfolds of librarians are you going to look at to do the Bundy? Well, first off, I think I need to change my opening line from the beginning of the episode where I said it was a mobile gas station that I worked at. Nope, now it's this podcast. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Oh, see, I just wanted to start off light because this, this was great. After a few clunkers that I've been on before and uh, talking with my some of my other podcast hosts over the uh up in the background i've noticed that my my ratings and reviews were getting a little getting a little nasty getting a little harsh and i honestly think it's because of when how my mood is when i watch it i've been going through some tough times and i really tried to like prepare to watch to marry children the other day when i watched this episode and it's been uh, it's been a few years, so I was like, I put myself in a good mood. I deliberately got myself happy and into a good frame of mind. And you did the Bundy, I did, right? I, I, I did. <laughs> I did a Bundy, not the one we're talking about. <laughs> no. But um, you know, I got myself in a good frame of mind, and I'm glad I did because this was delightful. This was absolutely delightful. It is totally not safe for work. It is obscene i would try to stop preteens from watching it in my house because it would make me uncomfortable but as a as mary with children goes fertile ground pun intended is great um everything about it from how bud focused it is they kept 
everything going very very well. The B plot, which we didn't really talk about it that much, because it's kind of its own. It it doesn't really it doesn't even really need it's it, it's not lazy. It's cute. It's cute, and I mean that in a very lovingly way. It's a cute thing that No Man is doing, and that it led them back in their shirts picketing for Bud at the at the end. Like even my roommate who watches these half and off while he's playing video games when I'm watching them turned and looked and is like, "Oh no, they're going to come and f it up for Bud, aren't they?" I was like, "Yes, sir." So that tells me that this episode's good that somebody can watch it just with half attention and still get all the jokes. Uh Miss Hardaway was a delight as always. Um, all the other characters were used very well. Having them show up at the beginning to <laughs> embarrass the crap out of Bud was a perfect way to get all the characters in the episode they were going to have. I would like have liked to see more of Christina Applegate. Yes, it is a Bud-focused episode, but usually when sex stuff is happening, I kind of want my Kelly around. But I totally get it. She needs to take a back seat for for this to happen with Bud on the college campus. So with that little exception, I am going to cut out five centerfolds of library uns. Well, this is a first for season 10 as far as I know. Because I too am going to look at five center folds. All right. Of library. Because this is my favorite episode since Dud Bowl 2. It is well written. We do have some good motivation. I'll, yeah, it is. But yeah, I like that it's Bud centric because Kelly gets a lot more. There are a lot more Kelly centric episodes overall between the two siblings. So I love that. I absolutely find Miss Hardaway a hilarious, conflicted character. Beverly Archer plays that part so well. And you were talking about the B-plot, Tyler. I really don't think there is a B-plot here. And if there is, I really think that it met the A-plot perfectly. Because sometimes the two plots diverge quite often. And in this one, they did it well, if you could call it a B-plot. And... You got no ma'am involved, and even though Kelly and Peg weren't in it, of course, we know why Katie Seagal is not there. Yeah, I just find this one so hilariously entertaining. And of course, as a guy, we can relate to this and make masturbation jokes. We always get a kick out of it. Always. So, that's it. You're going to say we always get a shake out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not always. Not always. Thank you, though, Stephen. That did help my me like solidify my review in my head because you're right. Like, I think Kelly slapping her arm around <laughs> around Ariel, going, "So yeah, did my brother last night? Good for you." I'm just, I think, I think that's enough energy for the for the entire episode right there. <laughs> right. Well, that's it for this week. And tune in next week when we have Luigi, Chris, and Carl will be Yay. back. He's joining them. Yeah, to review Kiss of the Coffee Woman. 
when Jefferson and Kelly make a series of commercials about coffee, and at least the places that both Al and Marcy don't really care for. Until then, remember... Mm -hmm.